0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for today's adventure. Kind of a spiritual journeyman and media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. And joining me today is co-host, spiritual rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of *Spiritual Rebel*, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper meaning, a deeper perspective, and higher purpose. You know, I've only been saying it a hundred times. You know, you think hey, I get meaning it right.
0: too. Meaning's good. I should have written that into the subtitle.
1: So, how are you doing today, Sarah?
0: I am doing okay. It is hot, 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 and I'm enjoying being inside for a few minutes.
1: Well, that's cool. I hope you have air conditioning.
0: Well, some. Some days we do. We live in an old schoolhouse. So, you know, air conditioning depends on whether it wants to work that day.
1: Well, that's good because, you know, you leave it up to the universe and the universe helps you decide what you need.
0: (laughs) What I need is to win the lottery and get real air conditioning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will uh, put in a good word for your prosperity.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. I'll script that later.
1: That sounds good. Now I learned something about you. And um, you know, I you never told me you're a dean at your seminary at your school. You you're a dean.
0: I am. You know, I'm on the down low. Um, I teach over at One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in Manhattan, um, which is awesome. When I'm not when I'm not prepping for this podcast, of course.
1: <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about uh One Spirit. Um I don't know a whole lot about it. Tell me something about it.
0: Oh, it's awesome. It's a basically we have a two year interfaith interspiritual seminary program, and it's a part time program. So it's one weekend a month, and then there's other things that you do, you know, within the month. But we spend the entire first year studying the world's religious traditions. And yes, new thought is one month. Uh, And then the second year, people develop, you know, what is really theirs to do in the world. So, you know, we have healers and yogis, and we have regular, uh, Church-going folks, and we have, you know, people who just really want to figure out how to step up their service, and we do that through the program.
1: Oh, that sounds awesome! I'll have to look into that more. It sounds really intriguing.
0: Yeah, the website is uh, numberonespirit.com, um, dot com. And or is it .org? Oh, geez, you tested me on You're that. You're the dean. It's what? Well, I'm not the web webmaster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it's a great program. We start every September. So, hey, there may just be time for you to get in, Jim.
1: Well, that's cool. That's very cool. Well, I have a question for you.
0: Okay, I'm ready.
1: Do you have an inspirational quote for today?
0: I do. I have a nice short one that's very deep in meaning.
1: Please go ahead.
0: Okay, here we go. Never mistake motion for action.
1: Ooh, who who said that? That's Hemingway. He's he's got some good stuff. I I, he hear, he's a I hear he's a good yeah, writer. He does. Yeah,
0: nice short, pithy ones. But never mistake motion for action. And I've been thinking a lot about how I get busy, 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 and think that I'm accomplishing. And sometimes I I, <laughs> I need to slow down do some rest, do some planning, um, all of that. So I thought this was a good reminder that just because I'm busy and moving around doesn't necessarily mean I'm accomplishing anything.
1: Well, you know, setting up things in the way you need to set them up is definitely different from busy work. So yeah, we all have to be really mindful of that.
0: All right, what have you got for me today?
1: Okay, here I go. The heart of human excellence often begins to beat when you discover a pursuit that absorbs you, frees you, challenges you, or gives you a sense of meaning, joy, or passion.
0: Wow! Who's that?
1: That's Terry Orlick. and I have to be—I con- have to confess and say that I, I found that quote on Oprah.com, and I'm really—I really hit me strongly. I, I think that's really important, and we're going to be talking with. Dr. Judy Morley a little bit later about purpose and I thought this really fits the bill.
0: Yeah I like that.
1: Are you ready to go into our episode?
0: I'm ready let's do it.
1: All right let's go. (music) Funniest thing guy Ed Biagiotti joins us with a new segment.
3: Hello, everyone. It is Edward Biagiotti and I am co-host of Funniest Thing on Unity Online Radio, and I'm here today to talk to you about purpose. And as I was reflecting on what purpose means to me, I really think that purpose means that I am living in alignment with who I really am. I'm expressing who I am through, out, throughout my day, through the activities of my day, through my job, through my life. Through the things I'm saying, through the ways I'm acting and dressing, and the people I'm interacting with. And I started thinking about enthusiasm and how, when I'm really living in alignment with myself and what I would call feeling like I'm on purpose, I'm living with greater enthusiasm. And I've heard it said that enthusiasm means in spirit or living from God. So I looked it up and I looked up the theos, meaning God, and then the enthusiasm, the end part being possessed by God, possessed, inspired by God. So when we're enthusiastic about things, we are being inspired by God or inspired by the truth of our own being. And that really is the greatest indication that we are on purpose. And one of the most amazing things about living on purpose or living an enthusiastic and inspired life is that doors open, as they say, that wouldn't have opened otherwise. It's like the energy inside me and inside all of us, when we're living on purpose, when we're living in alignment with who we really are, just opens doors in the most amazing and unexpected ways. You know, and and that's where meditation and inspired reading and affirmative prayer come back come into play, I always recommend, Daryl and I on Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio, always talk about and recommend a morning routine of inspired reading and meditation and affirmative prayer, because our subconscious mind has so many different uh, beliefs and ideas that it's picked up over time, and it, it can get, you know, it can get off track with who we really are, and we know it's getting off track because it feels bad. We don't feel inspired. We don't feel empowered. So sitting down to meditate. Meditation to me is like this process of letting all of the activity of the mind slow down, slow down, and for a moment it stops. It kind of stops and you start to see through the clouds and you re- I start to remember who I am. We start to feel inspired thoughts bubbling up. And then the the affirmative prayer part is then, is directing our mind in that direction of who we really are is cooperating with God, which is enthusiasm and being inspired by God is cooperating with the God within, with our own inner divine nature, as my friend uh, Terry McBride likes to say. Tapping in, that's the beauty of this stuff. When we're talking about God, we're not talking about something outside of ourselves by any means. We're talking about tapping into the truth of our own divine inner nature. And I've read recently that and I think it was in Ernest Holmes in Science of Mind where he was saying that that this God and all the the fruits of living in harmony with who we truly are, living on purpose, are available to everyone, but not everyone recognizes it or realizes it or practices staying in harmony with it. But it's there for everyone. That's why it's so liberating because we become an inspiration to anyone else who desires to live on purpose. And when we're living on purpose or living from with deep within ourselves, that energy ripples out in other people who are receptive to it or desire that, see it and feel it in ways that that we don't know about and that they don't even necessarily know how to put a finger on it. But we just magnetize to ourselves, supportive and loving, kind people. It's said that the good that we seek is seeking us. And sometimes I think that's why we give up on living on purpose because we think, well, what's the use? You know, like it's too late. I'm too far gone. I'm too far off my purpose. But the truth is, as soon as we tap back into it, like Goethe said, that boldness, it, it has this, this effect of opening doors and magnetizing to us everything we need. Even if we thought it was too late, it's never too late. It's never too late. In a book called Prosperity Now, the author writes about how Uh, The the years that the locust has eaten can be restored, which is a reference to the Bible. All those things that that we think it's too late or it's gone. All of that joy and that inspiration can be restored the moment we decide to live on purpose again. And we do that by getting back in touch with who we are. And there's many ways to do that. And I hope that you know that that you're worth living on purpose. So those are my thoughts for now. My name again is Edward Biagiotti. I'm the co-host of Funniest Thing right here on Unity Online Radio, and it is a real pleasure to be with you on Big Universe.
1: Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment.
4: Hi, friends. It's Martha Creek, marthacreek.com. Today's topic is neutrality. Neutrality? Neutrality, are you kidding? Yes, neutrality. Because at the level of consciousness, neutru- neutral, a neutral level comes of an inner confidence, a new beginning, a sensing of our own power, a sensing of having options. Uh, we're not as easily intimidated. So at this neutral level, a person can say, well, If I don't get this job, then I'll get another job. At this level, somebody can say, hey, I've lost my job. What am I going to do? Instead of I've lost my job, what am I going to do? Or there's nothing I can do. So this neutrality, this consciousness of neutrality holds a lot of power. So then one is not driven to prove anything the expectation that life will have, certainly will have, ups and downs, and that will basically be okay. We're more basically okay with life's ups and downs, life on life's terms. So we are better prepared, aware, equipped, and aware that we're equipped to roll with the punches a roll with the punches, a more of a go-with-the-flow attitude of life at this level of consciousness. Also, folks, people at this level of consciousness have a sense of well-being. And I'd encourage you to stop here and just listen. Pause the listening and say to yourself, My heart knows well-being. My mind knows well-being. And get a sense of it in your body as you mark this level of a confident capability, confident capability to live in the world. And this is the opposite of espousing this, affirming this, that um, I heard today from an interview that those of us that have these these techniques, these notions... Without application is hallucination. So this is the opposite of that. So this is the, the applying of what we know to be sure, not espousing something that we've not paused to see just how true it is. So it's it could be this place of neutrality for me and many, experientially then, the closest to feeling a sense of safety feeling a sense of value, a sense of safety, power and value with self, within self. And people at this level of neutrality are far funner to be around. They're easier to be around. They're easier to get along with. They're safe to be around, to associate with, simply because they're not interested in competition. From a consciousness of neutrality, we're not going to be conflictual and competing and guilty, guilt-ridden and guilt-producing. So people then, we can be basically comfortable and more likely to be undisturbed emotionally when we can practice and come from a place of neutrality. This attitude also carries less judgment, non less judgmental and it does not lead to any need to control other people's behaviors so have you had enough suffering from trying to control other people's behaviors i hope so i believe i have and it still sneaks in from time to time so get a sense of valuing your freedom your peace of mind more than anything else, neutrality, conscious neutrality, who would you be more neutral? Love to you. Godspeed. Get in touch with me if I can serve you. MarthaCreek.com.
1: And now it's time for our interview. Dr. Judy Morley is a nationally recognized motivational and business speaker whose primary topics are purposeful leadership emotional intelligence, and thinking big. She's been described as a human potential specialist. Her years of experience vary from being an advertising agency owner to a college professor to an executive to an entrepreneur and franchise owner. She's even an ordained minister. Judy holds a PhD in American history and a master's degree in conscious leadership. She's the author of the book, Use the Cosmic 2x4 to Hit a Home Run. She's currently on the faculty of the Lincoln Leadership Institute at Gettysburg and the president of Intuitively Speaking, a speaking and consulting firm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Judy. Welcome to Big Universe.
2: Hi, Jim. Nice to be here.
1: I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I want to let you know that uh, it has been my pleasure to work with Judy on her online course, Living Your Audacious Purpose on youthdrivehere.com. So I, I, I know we're going to dive into that for a while today before we get into our book, but it's been a pleasure working with you.
2: Yeah, same here. Thanks, Jim.
1: All right, so let's dive into purpose. What is purpose?
2: So purpose is kind of your reason for being. It's, uh, it's different from a goal. It's different from a mission. Purpose is kind of the underlying foundation of why we're here. And it usually doesn't change a lot. It can evolve as we grow as people, but it's not like a goal that you get to and then, you know, check it off the list and come up with something else. And I've also sometimes heard it used interchangeably with the word mission, and they do go together, but purpose is more a state of being, and mission is more the action that we take from that state of being. So at at its core purpose. is just why we're here. Well,
1: give me an example of what a purpose could be.
2: So, you know, um, a purpose could be to be a beneficial presence in the world. A purpose could be to nurture people, body, mind, and spirit. Um, you know, I own several businesses. I have a lot of different, uh, my fingers in a lot of different things and a lot of different areas. But the things that hold them all together is that my purpose is exactly that. It's to provide nourishment for people's minds and bodies. So, you know, that covers everything from ministry to restaurants.
1: Okay, so it's an overarching theme, basically. It's not something you need to get really specific about necessarily in terms of how you use your purpose, but it's more, it's more about what you're about.
2: Exactly. What you're about and how you want to show up in the world. You know, how do you want to live? Um, Do you want to live uh, being happy? Do you want to live being at peace? Do you want to live by striving? Um, You know, what calls to your heart? We're all different in that regard.
1: Now, audacious purpose. What is an audacious purpose? What makes it audacious? I like that.
0: (laughs) Well, I love
2: that word audacious because it means bold and daring and unlimited. And I mean, isn't isn't that what New Thought's all about? Being bold and daring and unlimited, I love it. And so we aren't here to be small. We aren't here to, to downsize. I think sometimes when we, we think of a purpose, if, if we're being really true to our heart and we say the first thing that comes to mind it scares the bejesus out of us. And so we immediately backpedal. And so I have the word audacious there because instead of backpedaling, we need to expand and think bigger because we're not here for a little tiny purpose. We're not just here to work a job or raise a family. We're here to make a difference in people's lives. And how we do that is up to each of us. But we need to think bigger about it rather than smaller because that's when the universe helps us out is when we think bigger about
1: now can your uh, can your purpose change over time i mean or you is it pretty much one thing you sort of develop and, and understand
2: your purpose can change over time sure i mean i think part of that's just growing up you know i think that when we're younger we may not understand it as much or our purpose may seem more immediate as we get older, we kind of have a longer view of our purpose, and we've lived a little bit of life, so we've tried a few things, so we have the trial and error under our belt, but it's not ever going to be totally different. Um, you know, people who want to teach, generally want to teach. Uh, maybe it goes from being a, a preschool teacher to being a life coach, but you know, they that's generally going to be their heart's calling. Um, It's really fun to work with people who haven't been in their purpose at all. They've been doing something completely different. Then, when they find their purpose, it's this huge epiphany and then everything they do after that falls into line. So it can evolve and change. Um, But once you find it, it's pretty steady.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Um, So I, I think part of my purpose is, and I'm not sure I'm on target with this, but part of my purpose is to inspire people with media. How do I, is that good? Or do I need to expand upon that more?
2: Well, that's the purpose. Now you can set intentions for how you wanna do it. And that's where the goals kind of come in. You can certainly set goals and intentions that are more finite, they're more action oriented. But if, you know, to inspire people with media is your purpose, it can be a whole variety of media. It can be through, you know, writing maybe, audio, video. Um, And if you have a specific project you're working on, then that's one of the intentions that fulfills your purpose. And when that project is complete, you can check it off, but your purpose is still to inspire people with media. You now just find a new project.
1: Cool. Cool. All right, Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your purpose? Do you know?
0: Well, you know, I do. I didn't until I was in my 40s. And when I was going through seminary, we had a process where we had to write our vows. And so it was at that point that I really had to think about what is my purpose. And so mine is uh, to help all beings, regardless of their species or their belief system, to be connected to God.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have to add, that is, that's a wonderful purpose. Does that apply to spiders?
0: You know it does, and that's tough, Jim. It is. I'm, I, you know, there. I, I, we, we may get into this here with this uh, cosmic two by four, but it's not always easy to do those things that lead to our purpose. And spiders sometimes is a challenge for me.
1: I'm still amazed by the story, Judy. Um, during the past month or so ago, she had a family of. Uh, Of mice move into, or rats, mice or rats move into her glove compartment of her car, and she dealt with it amazingly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, when, when, when we start looking at, you know, little, I think our purpose shows up and surprises us sometimes, would you say that, Judy, where, you know, we don't even know, know. and all of a sudden, you know, mice move into your car, and you think, okay, how does this relate to what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, well, how did you deal with them? Well, they lived there for about a week, and then I, I used some of my super special Jedi mind tricks to ask them to please move out, and uh, eventually they did, and I have since uh, discovered there's a little thing I can put under the hood of my car that'll emit, emit a beep, and perhaps they won't move back in.
1: <laughs> you know, we talk about purpose, and then sometimes in our lives, and I want to get into your book, book now, um, Cosmic 2 by 4 hits ya. And you just you know what is a cosmic 2 by 4 when it hits you? What does that mean?
2: Well, the cosmic 2 by 4 is. It seems like the universe when the universe is out to get us when God is trying to really get our attention. It's generally something that at the moment we we label as a really negative experience that we have to deal with. They are generally painful. It can be a divorce a failed business or a bankruptcy in my case it was a diagnosis of cancer it can be all sorts of things but the cosmic two by four is when the universe kind of brings you to your knees
1: so when you when you were affected by cancer how did you begin to deal with that what was your journey like with that and i just want to pre- uh, preface you that we've got about four minutes before our break so i will probably rudely cut you off but how did you deal with uh well, with that?
2: Well I'll start by just telling you I did what everybody does uh, in their normal uh, uh human self, and I was livid I mean i was I was in new thought, I was going to church every Sunday I was practicing I thought meditation and and um how could God do this to me and that was my initial reaction and that I mean. You know for the rest of the story i guess we can wait till after break but that's pretty much how everybody deals with the cosmic two by four is they feel that it's something that god has done to them and what i want people to know is it's something that god does for them and that's wow. the shift that has to take place
1: wow that's an amazing shift um, and we're definitely going to go into how that you know how we might make that shift how do you define adversity
2: Anything that anything that feels like it stops you on your path forward toward your goal or your mission or your purpose?
1: So after we get back from the break, we're gonna dive into um, some of Judy's five spiritual steps to overcome adversity. Uh, I' just I, I want to roll them off real quick. Make peace with where you are, take responsibility, identify the benefits, release limiting beliefs, and make a plan for success. We've got some big talking coming up.
0: We do. We've got a lot of ground to cover.
1: Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
3: Practical Spirituality. Positive Messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter.
1: Rev. Raymond Anderson joins us with Raymond's Corner. Purpose. So what does that
5: even mean? Like, do you have a purpose? What is your purpose? We talk a lot about things and people having purpose, like is that an all-purpose cleaner? Well, what exactly does that mean? If you really think about it, it boils down to this idea of what use is it serving? So when we ask, well, what is my purpose? Well, what use are you serving? What change are you bringing to the world? What benefit, what is your why? What is your reason for being? And one of the biggest things is we often look for some magical, mystical, pixie dust kind of demonstration that the gates of heaven will open and a dove will descend upon us and give us our purpose. But what if our purpose, our reason for being, is actually something we choose? What if it's based upon the things that we're passionate about, the things that we love to do? And the change we want to be in the world. What if our purpose, our why, our reason for being, is self-motivated, self-directed, self-created, and self-evident? When we allow it to be. When we stop allowing other people's purposes for us to dictate. And we live life according to our terms.
1: Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Judy Morley. Judy's the author of Use the Cosmic 2x4 to Hit a Home Run, and she also has an online course called Living Your Audacious Purpose. So let's jump into the Use the Cosmic 2x4 to Hit a Home Run book again. Um, You were talking a little bit about your you were affected by cancer, how you dealt with that, and we talked about the five – we were beginning to sort of highlight the five spiritual steps to overcome adversity
2: yeah yeah so the first step is make peace with where you are you have to accept it so you know something happens you can you can be angry you can be upset all of those are normal human emotions but at some point you've got to let that go and just realize we are where we are you know right now being upset that we have to wear face masks and we're in the middle of a pandemic doesn't do any good it just puts more negativity out there into the universe and into our personal universe so step one is, you know, process those human emotions, but then kind of make peace where you are and accept it.
1: And talk, and you talk about facing fear, that you need to face your fear when you're dealing with that. Tell, tell me a little bit more, more about that.
2: Well, generally, the cosmic 2 by four is something that, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, and it causes us to be very afraid about our future, whatever it is. Um, You know, my personal experience that I wrote about in this book was I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. I was 33 years old. I had a three-year-old daughter, um, and I had a 25% chance of survival. I was scared to death.
1: Um, i bet. I'll
2: bet. Yeah, but part of making peace with where you are is you have to just realize this is it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I I, want to clarify. This is the hardest step but what could I do? I couldn't really do much of anything else except realize, okay, I am where I am and now I've got to find a plan forward. So, um, you know, you've got to face that fear. You've got to find out why it's there. Um, You know, of course, I was afraid of dying. And, um, you know, I began facing it by just by God determining I'm not gonna die. I'm just not, I refuse i just refused <laughs> toward the end of my six months of treatment i actually completely surrendered and was like you know if that's the next step then that's the next step and i'm okay with that too but you know the first thing is to realize that you you can't change it so there's no sense being afraid of it
1: and i think that uh, you know when you're hit by the cosmic 2 by 4 it's often you, you have no choice to but to make peace with it eventually. It, it, it's happened, you know? It's like you're, you're knocked off. You know, I think, I, I know I've had that happen in my life. I, I'm sure, I have a sense that maybe Sarah's happened in, that, in her life once or twice. I,
0: you know, I do, and, I, and I'm thinking about how much time we, we waste and spend trying to go back and rewrite what has already happened, right? So I think this is really helpful, these, these steps. So, you know, what do we do instead of ruminate? On shouldn't have happened, it happened, change it, what could I have done? That's the cycle I get stuck in sometimes.
1: And I think that's where our next step might come in take responsibility. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, so take responsibility is an interesting one because I think a lot of times um, in New Thought, it's easy to read that as blame. If I'm responsible, I must have done something wrong. And um, I like to say that the word responsible is just response able i'm able to respond and we can't change anything we're not responsible for and so i have a little formula in the book for take responsibility and my formula is e plus r equals o and so the listeners might have heard it it's been around for a while e plus r equals o lots of people have used it but that stands for event plus response equals outcome and harkening back to the first step of making peace with where you are You know, if you look at E plus R equals O, the event is that you've had this cosmic two by four, whatever it is. In my case, it was cancer or, you know, you've lost a business or you've gotten a divorce or something like that. That's the event. My first response was to blame the event, was to question the event, was to be angry at the event, etc. Those are all legitimate responses, but they didn't quite get me the outcome I wanted, which was to be well and healthy.
5: Mm -hmm. So eventually, Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, eventually once I was able to say, okay, I'm responsible for what happens from here out. I know that on some level I'm responsible for where I am right now too. Not that I wished cancer upon myself. And at the time I was actually a vegetarian marathon runner. So it wasn't that I was living an unhealthy lifestyle, but I was emotionally unhealthy. I was very emotionally unhealthy. And so... I wasn't ready to quite go that deep, but at least I could say, all right, the event is I have cancer, now what's my response going to be? Because regardless of what the event is, my response will impact the outcome. So that's where you can really take responsibility is say, you know, I may not be able to change the event, I may not have even done anything to bring it on, but now I'm responsible for how I respond so that I can have the outcome I want
0: yeah there was something in this section i really liked in the book where you talked about visualing support visualizing supportive choices can you talk yeah. a little bit about that
2: sure sure um you know it's it's just the question of what i was speaking to a little bit earlier which was you know how how can i respond that will get me the outcome i want you can kind of play out the scenarios of is this um you know is this choice going to get me where i want is this if I do it this way, what is the likely outcome? And you can visualize those different scenarios. And once you visualize those different scenarios, it gives you a sense of the better ways to respond.
1: I, I feel- think sometimes
2: we- Let me just finish, sorry, Jim, but I think sure. sometimes we get into reacting. Mm-hmm. We, something yeah. happens and we react. Something happens and we react. And in this uh, scenario, we need to be proactive. We need to take the event, we need to look at our response proactively, not just reactively. And that's where the visualizing of the outcome or the visualizing of different scenarios comes because if we can visualize these different scenarios, then that helps us create the outcome we want.
0: Yeah, and it creates a pause there. Uh huh. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's helpful because so often that, that reaction is to go right into action, right into action.
1: And I'm hearing um, barking dogs in my mind and thinking victim. You know, it's easy to stay. I hear barking dogs in my mind. I'm not sure if anybody else heard that. But I hear um, victim. I hope
2: you're not hearing barking dogs in reality, because mine are barking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's easy to stay in victimhood, you know, for for a long period of time until you come, about, come around to responsibility.
2: It is. And it doesn't get us anywhere. Um, you know, that, that's the shift. Uh, you know, after I wrote this book um, in my early years of ministry, that's kind of the direction it took. I worked with a lot of cancer patients. They found me. I didn't set out to say, oh, my ministry is going to be to work with cancer patients. But of course, the universe put us together. And there's, there's you know, it's anecdotal. I never did an a academic study, but I found a direct correlation between the people who could get out of victimhood and the people who survived.
1: So we talk about, in part three, you talk about identifying the benefits. Sometimes it's hard to say, you know, what's a benefit out of this? You know, if you get cancer, what's the benefit? Where do you, where do you find that?
2: So here's how the, the world works. We have emotions. And when we're young, our emotions are very tender and not developed. And depending on how we grew up, we generally aren't taught how to deal with our emotions very well so we come up with coping strategies that work really well to keep us safe in the environment in which we grew up and that's any environment no matter how great our parents are or how supportive or how wonderful we're just little and we don't understand the big world around us and because we don't understand emotions we get these emotional um coping mechanisms they may be to withdraw or to confront or to bring on conflict or um, to get confused or to be depressed, but they're coping mechanisms and they serve us beautifully. It is the universe helping us survive in that stage of our human iteration. But then we grow up and we become grownups and we don't need those coping mechanisms anymore, but we don't let them go. We, yeah, we drag them right with us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so we, we keep those old coping mechanisms in place. And emotionally, they don't serve us. They cause stress, for lack of a better term. Whether it's a fear response, whether it's an aggression response, whatever it is, they don't serve us anymore. But we keep doing them and they're so ingrained and so habituated that we don't know they're there. So most people who have a cosmic two by four will find that they've had clues in the years prior that they might need to change something maybe something's going wrong in their life but they're not very painful clues so they just keep doing things the way they've been doing them finally the cosmic two by four says enough already you can stop with in my case the blame and resentment you don't need blame and resentment anymore you can stop you don't have anything to feel guilty about quit But it took that cosmic 2 by 4 for me to even realize I was doing it. I didn't realize that that was the habit that I had grown up using to cope in my family. So the sooner we can identify the benefits, the sooner we can identify those coping strategies, we can change our behavior
0: before the cosmic 2 by 4 hits us a second time.
1: Yeah, because we'll come back if we don't. Yeah, <laughs> if we and it don't might pay be, attention,
0: it might be a cosmic four by four. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, I like that you you say in in the book demand to feel good, you know, and that that's kind of that's different. That's that's kind of refreshing that you can actually think, you know, apply it to. what's going on demand to feel good Uh, you know we're not automatically led there we have to really decide to
2: absolutely absolutely again we aren't we just aren't taught it's just it's a cultural thing we aren't taught about our emotions and we aren't taught that we're supposed to feel good unless coincidentally us feeling good corresponds with everyone around us feeling good then it's okay but if us feeling good makes someone else uncomfortable then we're not supposed to feel good especially when we're little Right. So we have to learn to put our own feeling good first, and kind of let the chips fall where they may,
1: and find a new way. Yep. Yep. So, so you believe in a benevolent universe, and I think a lot of people, obviously, a new thought, do. Why? Why do you have that belief?
2: Oh, because I've just seen it so frequently. I mean, I just. The universe is always, always calling us for, to a greater good. I mean, you could say that, you know, having stage four lymphoma at age 33 was a tragedy, but it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It launched me on my life's purpose. It made me a better parent. It put me in, on the right career path. It got me out of a marriage in which I was unhappy and didn't know what to do, but and got me into a marriage that was so much better. It was, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me and believe me i did not say that the month after my diagnosis but now when from the long view i can see it and every adversity i've ever had in my life has been an opportunity for me to have so much more joy and so much more expansion in my life and so i can't believe that it's a negative universe when you can see this over and over and over again you know a lot of people are wringing their hands and gnashing their teeth right now about covid 19 and politics and cultural protests and yeah there's a lot going on and what i know for absolutely sure i also have a phd in history so that helps 10 years from now when historians look back at 2020 they're going to mark this as the moment when the evolution of the planet took a quantum leap forward and we'll be looking back from this great place looking back at 2020 and everyone will be saying thank god it happened We can't see it now, but I mean, call me in 10 years and we'll make a bet and you can pay me in 10 years when it happens, because I know that's how it's it's gonna work.
1: I love your perspective on history. That's so valuable, you know, because we do get, it's like, um, in a way, it's about taking responsibility for what goes next, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think we don't, we're stuck in the moment and we don't think about the fact that this is a moment in history. So, right. rele-
2: And this too will pass.
1: Right. Releasing limited beliefs. I'm interested in in tools that we might be able to use to do this. Well, first off, de- define what that means, and, and then maybe we can go into some of the tools.
2: So in step three, I talk about the coping mechanisms we, we come up with. So th- that's the behavioral piece. We come up with these kind of emotional coping mechanisms that are behavioral piece but they are rooted in something deeper which is a limiting belief Um, whatever messages we might have gotten when we were younger you know um, children should be seen and not heard or what makes you think you can do that or girls don't climb trees or what whatever silly thing it is they get lodged in our in our childish brain and they become core beliefs and Sometimes those are great. Sometimes those are things we take with us that turn into our values and they turn into things that make us really great people. And sometimes they're beliefs that limit us and we need to let those go because it's the belief that sparks the coping mechanism that we identified in step three. So we've got to let go of those limiting beliefs. The beliefs can be harder than the behaviors. Because sometimes it's easy to let go of behavior, but it keeps coming back. And you know, I love the idea of working with the subconscious mind because how do you make the subconscious conscious? Because by its very definition, it's not. Right, <laughs> <So> right. <laughs> you have to find them and, and dig them out. So um, some of the methods to do that, there are lots of them, but um, you know, certainly. New Thought believes a lot in prayer and affirmative prayer um, and ways of um, working with a a prayer partner to do that. There is um, the Sedona method, which is a method of written inquiry um, that there are lots of books on that people can get. There's the emotional freedom technique, which is the tapping um, technique. These are all ways that help us release the emotional energy around the belief so that we can identify the belief from a more neutral perspective so that we can see that we believe it at, begin to question that validity do i i mean do i still need to believe this or is that even true one of my mentors every time i would state something she would ask me is that true and I found that so annoying because at first I wanted to say, well, of course it's true. I just said it. <laughs> but after a while, I realized an awful lot of what I said wasn't necessarily true. It was true from my perspective, but it wasn't necessarily a core truth. Yeah. So by yeah. doing these other techniques of releasing, we, we, take, we take away the emotional charge. We can look at it a little more neutrally, a little more objectively, and then we can say, you know what? I don't think this is true about me. I am a good person overall, huh? Who knew?
1: <laughs> so, on your cancer experience, you talked about having there was a, there was one major unconscious, unconscious belief that you really helped uncover with this. Uh, what was it, and how do you how did you deal with it? Well,
2: mine was a lot of. Um, it was the one I believe I talk about in the book because there were so many is um, perfectionism. I just believed that I always had to be perfect. That was a coping strategy. I was in you know, I have my own sob story. I was an older child or I was an only child of much older parents. Children should be seen and not heard, blah, 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 blah. And so in order to fit in in my family, I only got attention when I did everything perfect to the letter. And so I had this perfectionism streak. And so what I had been doing prior to my cancer diagnosis was trying to be perfect and do everything all at once perfectly. I was a graduate student getting my PhD. By the way, I was a straight-A student because I couldn't be anything else because I had to be perfect.
5: (laughs) Right, Um, right.
2: I was living in Denver and going to school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but I never missed a single class because my attendance had to be perfect. Um, I was a mother of a three-year-old who um, we never missed a jamboree class on weekends. We never missed, you know, never did anything wrong there. I was the perfect wife, the perfect hostess, and I was exhausted. And one of the things that cancer taught me was that I finally got to the point where I couldn't be perfect. I couldn't pick my daughter up from school because of my compromised immune system so i had to hire someone to go get my daughter from school well that's not what a perfect mother does but that's what a mother who's gonna live does so i had to let go of being perfect and obviously i had to take time off my phd program and so i wasn't perfect anymore And, and i just had to let all that go and and eventually i realized that you know what the world didn't fall apart my daughter didn't quit loving me, my marriage didn't, and nope, nobody judged me for not being perfect. They judged me for doing what I needed to do to get well. And that was a positive judgment. So then I could kind of let go of that belief that I had to be perfect in everything.
0: That's a great segue too to that section five in the book about making a plan for success. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like? And I'm one of those people who loves binders and plans and checklists. So, of course, this is a favorite chapter, but that's not exactly what you're talking about. So could you share what what parts go into that plan?
1: And I have to warn you, we have yeah, about five ab- minutes left.
0: <laughs>
1: so okay. five, five minutes or yeah, ab- us.
2: <laughs> so absolutely, the, the um, fifth step, then, yeah, it may, you make a plan. And the plan, the four pieces are physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And so you make a plan for wellness in all of those areas because we don't wanna get out of balance. That was part of my perfectionism was out of balance. So, you know, make a plan. If you, if you say, I'm gonna work out every day now for the rest of my life, that's a great intention. But unless you get a day planner and you write down an appointment in that day planner, or you put it in your phone or whatever, 7.30, be at the Y or meet someone to walk, or do yoga you're not going to do it you have to have it scheduled in if for emotional self care if you say i really miss my friends i want to i want to have my my friends around me more that's saying it's one thing but if you don't actually send an email and say let's get together on the third thursday of every month it's not going to happen you have to make the plan intellectually we want to keep our minds stimulated Usually when we leave school, we kind of quit learning, many people. But, you know, take a pottery class or learn German or, or whatever. Do something um, to keep your mind stimulated. And that's not just saying, huh, I should maybe do crossword puzzles more on my iPad before bed. It's actually setting something up and writing it in your planner. And in the spiritual piece, same thing. I get up one hour, earlier than I need to every morning. And I meditate and I journal for that hour every single day. I've been doing it for years and years and years. I never miss it, but I had to make a plan.
0: Well, Jim and I were just sharing before the show started, because we were trying to calendarize with each other, how we both have the habit of buying a lot of planners and then not actually using them. So I think this is a really great reminder for us, Jim. We've got to use those planners.
1: You're absolutely right. Okay, in a minute, can you tell me what's the best tool? What's your favorite tool in getting through adversity?
2: Uh, Oh my gosh, The the best step of all of them is number two, take responsibility. Just continue to watch the outcomes and figure out how you can respond. That one, it's easy. You don't have to do a lot of deep work. You can, you know, you can do it for anything. So E plus R equals O is my absolute favorite tool.
1: And I love that. I love E plus R equals O. I mean, that makes so much sense to me. It makes sense to my intellectual side. I ha- I find that I have to uh, I have to appeal to both sides. My intellectual side, my my spiritual side, and I guess I got to get the uh, subconscious on the ball a little bit more. That's probably, that's probably the deal. <laughs> Um, well, Judy, thank you so much for coming on Big Universe. It's been so great to have you.
2: Thank you. It's been great to be with you guys.
1: Judy's book is Use the Cosmic 2 by 4 to Hit a Home Run, and her online course is Living Your Audacious Purpose. You can check her out at drjudymorley.net. For more information about Sarah Bowen, go to www.spiritualrebel.com. Is that a good place for you still, Sarah?
0: It is if you put a dash between Spiritual and Rebel. Otherwise, you're buying a t-shirt.
1: Which might go with it.
0: <laughs> Which would be a completely different company. But yeah, spiritual-rebel.com.
1: Awesome. And I've got premium video courses and help create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me there. Thanks, everybody. and We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.